What's going on, everybody? Happy Friday. Hope everybody made it through the work week relatively unscathed. Uh, no, it, this week kind of just felt like it was longer than, than previous weeks, especially at work. I am out uh, early, uh, so this podcast is coming out earlier than it typically would on a Friday for sure. It's currently 1.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's February 11th. This is the Super Bowl show. I can't wait to talk about the Super Bowl. Can't wait to discuss some of this stuff that's going on with these two teams. I'm getting really sick uh, of people saying that this Super Bowl is kind of lame. I don't care who wins. Uh, They're downplaying it a lot. And by they, I mean everybody I've talked to. Not everyone. uh, Just a decent amount of people I've talked to. Not really excited for this Super Bowl. I'm super excited. I'm super excited for every Super Bowl. So we'll take a look at both of these teams, see what's going on. Uh, what what they've got, what they're going up against, and what they got to do to try and win this uh, Super Bowl Fifty Six. Uh, but some some awards to start off the show, uh, and I didn't do my normal intro, so I will definitely uh, put it out there at least. Um, this is the All In Man Cave Podcast. I'm the host Cole Hate. Please add me on Facebook Cole Hate C O L E H A Y D as in dog T as in Tom. Uh, follow me on Twitter, tweet at me, whatever you guys want to do. It's at All In Man Cave Pod, and remember share the share the share the podcast. That's basically what what it's all about. Please share the podcast. Anybody who would like it, I uh, reconnected with one of my former employees last night. Uh, he's he's doing great things. Uh, he was a switcher or yard jockey for me at one of my current. Uh, not current, I guess, former uh, places of work in FedEx ground. So shout out Evan. You said you'd give the podcast a try and listen to it. So I'm giving you a shout out. Uh, shout out to Evan out there. Um, it's it's awesome. So just share the podcast. Uh, we're going to talk about some good stuff today. I have a plethora of picks for you guys. I said that I was going to have uh, some Super Bowl picks, some cool picks. Uh, we got some player prop stuff going on. Obviously, I'm going to pick the game over, under, and via the spread, uh, as well as some other cool things. So uh, we got a lot a lot to talk about today. So let's get it going. Let's talk about the, a, the awards uh, from the 2021 slash 2022 season. So we'll go through them real quick. None of these really jump out at me and surprise me. Uh, there wasn't. There's usually one of the awards that's given out every year, and it just seems like there's one pick that like everybody didn't see coming. Uh, most of these are are picks that I saw coming. So we'll spend a little bit of time talking about it. But so we'll start the the awards for the 2021-2022 season. Uh, Aaron Rodgers won the MVP award. Uh, basically, no surprise there. He played amazing all season. Uh, another historic season for him in terms of a lot of touchdowns and not a lot of turnovers. Uh, and he helped the Green Bay Packers stay relevant up until they were eliminated in the playoffs. So Aaron Rodgers, as much as you may not like him off the field, you may not like his attitude, his football play on the field probably puts him in a top five quarterback of all time type conversation. Uh, unfortunately, you guys know me, the the diehard Minnesota Vikings fan. I bleed purple. Uh, but you, the, the facts are the facts, and his skills are his skills. And Aaron Rodgers is definitely uh, probably – I wouldn't say definitely, but he's probably in my top five for for best quarterbacks of all time. Next, the Offensive Player of the Year, another no surprise coming from me at least, uh, Cooper Cup. Statistically amazing, great season. Uh, It seemed like he was open all year, which gets me super hype since the Vikings are planning on hiring the offensive coordinator slash play caller uh, from the L.A. Rams in which uh, Cooper Cup plays for. So open on a lot of routes, had a historic amount of catches, uh, almost a 
a season setting record for receptions, touchdowns, and yards. Uh, impressive what he was able to do on the football field. So no no surprise here that he's he's uh, nominated and won uh, the Offensive Player of the Year in Cooper Cup. Defensive Player of the Year, T.J. Watt. It seems like every year, and I might be a little off on this take, uh, but it seems like the Defensive Player of the Year always has one thing that absolutely stands out. Uh, and about T.J. Watt on a defense that, let's be honest, uh, played well for half of the season and the other half was just eh. He almost uh, he he almost broke the the season sack record in the NFL set by Michael Strahan, but I believe he tied him at 22 and a half sacks. Uh, they focused on sacks this year. I don't blame the committee or the people who voted uh, for this award. Uh, but T.J. Watt definitely a playmaker on that defense, trying to keep them somewhat relevant with their offensive struggles this season. Uh, T.J. Watt only playing in 13 games uh, out of a total of 17, so he missed a month of the season and still side the uh, side. That's funny. Uh, tied the sack record uh, in the NFL. So uh, kudos to T.J. Watt. He had a great season. Uh, there's there's no surprise there as well. Uh, I'm not really surprised with all of these, but. It just seemed like the player that had the most had the most hype on him going into this voting and going into this show, the selections show. Whoever had the most hype seems like they won. So, uh, kudos to the to the winners overall uh, as a group. But um, offensive rookie of the year, Jamar Chase, awesome season with Joe Burrow. Uh, he he broke Justin Jefferson's record, and Justin Jefferson said it last year. So. A very impressive rookie season. He had a very hot start. Kind of went lukewarm, maybe somewhat in the middle, uh, but then turned it back on at the end. Has also been helping in a in a boatload of ways in the playoffs for for the Bengals to have gotten even into the Super Bowl. Uh, LSU uh, product. He's a great wide receiver. Uh, it seems like whatever Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase went through in terms of college and then that college transition into the NFL, doesn't seem like either of them have lost a step. And for him to win this award, especially with all the buzz and all the media about him dropping passes in this past offseason, uh, having a terrible preseason, a lot of people basically counting him out. Uh, he proved a lot of people wrong. And he's he's been making impacts on, on the offensive side of the ball in the NFL for the Bengals all season. So definitely kudos to him. You can't really put anybody else, I don't think, in even the same hemisphere uh, as Jamar Chase for this award. So no surprise, he got the win. Defensive Rookie of the Year, and this one, honestly, and I remember when I made, I had my award show, uh, I think it was a few weeks ago, uh, in terms of the amount of podcasts ago I did it, but it was definitely, I think it was week 18, going into the last game of the season, I kind of picked my top three for each award, uh, and this guy was the only guy uh, that, that I nominated for multiple awards, so uh, M- Micah Parsons wins the Defensive Rookie of the Year here. It's it's no surprise he played he was very versatile on that Cowboys defense and that defense was not projected to be that good uh, but they made a few changes had a few players that outperformed what was expected uh, but Micah Parsons played linebacker well he covered well he was able to rush the passer inside he was able to rush the passer outside uh, and he, he forced turnovers whether he did it himself or his pressure uh, allowed the turnovers to occur. So I loved the way Micah Parsons played. Penn State alum, love supporting lo- local colleges, love supporting Pennsylvanian colleges. Uh, you guys know my deal with Philadelphia. 
but everywhere else, uh, support everything uh, all the time. So a uh, big, huge Saquon Barkley fan also went to Penn State. So it's that's the thing. And honestly, let's see if I can get Saquon Barkley on the podcast. That would be awesome. I'll see if I can. I'll see if I can figure out somebody in the local area that may be able. If I can get Saquon Barkley on this podcast, that would be a huge milestone. Not only for the podcast, but also for me. Talking to him would be absolutely amazing. Uh, but the support for former Penn State alum is is, is big in my book. Uh, Michael Parsons, awesome. And there there was a lot of stuff with him uh, during the off season if he was going to be able to transition not only his game but mentally as well in the NFL, but he proved a lot of people wrong. Uh, he missed a few games as well this year. So uh, kudos to Micah Parsons and and great, great performance this season. All right, two more awards, the last two. Comeback Player of the Year won by Joe Burrow. Once again, no surprise. Honestly, throughout the season, based on what Dak went through to come back and based on what Joe Burrow did to come back, I think the only way that Dak would be able to beat him out is if he played longer into the playoffs than Joe uh, didn't happen uh, which is why I think clearly Joe Burrow gets gets the gets the of uh, the award here uh, Joe Burrow's uh, and we'll talk about Joe Burrow we got plenty of time I got time talking about the Rams and then the Bengals talking about this Super Bowl matchup so we don't have to go too far into Joe Burrow but for him to be able to uh, for me to say one thing is for him to be able to come back from that injury and take this team to where he's taking it, it it's a it's a great it's a great form of what you want to see from your leader of your football team and he's emerged as a very big influence on these younger guys running the offense that making the right calls the, the the leadership that he has for this team means a lot and it's going to mean a lot in the Super Bowl but it definitely meant a lot enough for him to win this award lastly the last award uh, worth either going over or total. I'm not sure I left any of these out. I just wanted to make sure I covered all the ones that I had my top three for. But coach of the year goes to Mike Vrabel. That was my pick going in. I, I loved what Mike Vrabel was able to do with that football team without his number one player for, for about half the season. Uh, for what he was able to do to make that defense go from projected third worst to ending up being in the top ten, uh, that's a lot. Uh, that's a lot to do. That's a lot of people to motivate. And that's a full-time job, which is what a head coach is intended to be, a full-time job. He invested in those players. He believed in those players. And he created a unit uh, to keep them above not only above water, uh, but also able to stay competitive and very competitive in even going into the playoffs. Uh, so what Mike Vrabel's done, and if you haven't watched Man in the Arena, he was on some of the Tom Brady teams uh, in, in New England uh, on the defensive side of the football. Mike Vrabel's a guy. He's a guy's guy. Uh, and he's able to get the most out of his players even when they're not – the, the top 10 picks in the draft when they're not the, the best in terms of how they behave on and off the field. He's able to transform those players into into good good guys. And their team played well this year, so he definitely deserves this award. All right, that's all the awards. We're going to transition into talking about these teams for the football game. I've got a few notes here about what I'm looking at in terms of the biggest influences on both of these sides. Uh, and then after that, we'll go through the picks and and what have you for the Super Bowl and what I like in terms of what DraftKings Sportsbook has to offer in terms of uh, player props and the game and what have you. So let's talk about the Rams first. And and there there's no there's no... 
trick here. Uh, this is not a trick question, but but the quarterback position on both of these squads is, means a lot. Uh, so Matt Stafford's story, and and if you're unfamiliar with his story, Matt Stafford, former overall pick number one out of Georgia. He went to the Lions. The Lions team itself, while he was there, I think he started 11 or 12 years for the Lions after he was drafted. They got a few playoff appearances, was was never able to kind of break through, uh, but those organizations themselves didn't do Matt Stafford justice. And a lot of people, and, and Matt Stafford's a relatively older cat, so I watched him after he was drafted when I was younger. And a lot of people that I knew as a younger individual, maybe in my teens uh, to possibly maybe by the time I was 20, a lot of the people I knew would never give Matt Stafford any credit. And I was scared as a Vikings fan playing the Lions, even if they were 0-10, because of the ability of Matt Stafford. He he's He's played well. He's a better player than a lot of people give him credit for. And for him to be able to find a spot, find an offensive coordinator that he gels with, find the team to surround him, it speaks to his story. And his story has been a grinder. Uh, they, they, there's a lot of viral videos of Matt Stafford getting the dislocated shoulder, coming back in, throwing a pass it in that game in overtime to get to overtime. It, it's impressive. And his fight within... His fight within football games proves where he went. Uh, the Detroit Lions have always been an organization, whether they they have two wins or whether they have ten wins in a season, they fight in football games. And I think Matt Stafford learned that in Detroit. I think he learned how to fight. I think he learned how to make the best of what you have. And the, honestly, right now, the best that what the Rams have is going right now for him. This team is built to win now. Not in a year, not in two years, not in 10 years. The the owner and the GM, they have made it very clear based on their moves in the past year, two years, that they are not interested in draft picks. They are interested in winning Super Bowls. They are currently in one. This team is built now, absolutely right now. And if they don't win, what is the repercussion of that? Some of these free agents on defense, free agents on offense, some of these performers on offense that are probably going to get offered more money in a different location, what is that effect if they don't win now? Is Was the trade worth it for Matt Stafford if they get to the Super Bowl and lose it? I don't know the answer to that question. I would say that their team looks exponentially better regardless of position, wins, or what have you with Matt Stafford versus Jared Goff. By no means am I saying that Matt Stafford wasn't worth, isn't better. Sorry, that Matt Stafford isn't better than Jared Goff, but was it worth what you gave up for him if you don't actually get out there and win the chip? That's what everybody's talking about. Not that Jared Goff stands a chance against Matt Stafford in a throwing competition, in a mobile competition, any any competition you put him in in terms of QB statistics. Matt Stafford wins every time. In terms of the ability to be a quarterback. And that means on and off the field. Matt Stafford does not have a bad quality that I can see that Jared Goff would be better at in terms of that specifically. So there are repercussions for the for the Rams in this game if they're not able to get the win. There are definitely repercussions. Now, the run game can definitely support what Matt Stafford is trying to do to stay hot in the playoffs. If they're not able to run the ball and Matt Stafford is running for his life 
getting pressure in his face, which the Bengals are capable of doing. He does often make bad decisions. And maybe I shouldn't use the word often. He has the ability to make bad decisions when put into that predicament, as anyone would, even Tom Brady. If you're under duress sometimes with not wanting to take the sack, not wanting a potential grounding penalty, you make bad decisions and try and squeeze the ball into places it shouldn't go. So we'll see what happens. They need to be able to run the football at least and stick with it. So they need more than 10 rushes in this game, regardless of if it works or not. The play-action game needs to work whether it's from the shotgun in play-action or whether it's from under center. Either one. Either one, there needs to be play-action. There needs to be the threat of Cam Akers. And I believe that Kevin O'Connell, as the the current offensive coordinator and hopefully head coach of the Minnesota Vikings next season, is able to realize that there, there's this can't be a one-dimensional game. It can't. And you can attack the front seven of the Bengals with the run game, especially if your offensive line is able to make key blocks and key spots because you just need to break off a few to make it scary. You don't need to stick with it. I don't. Cam Akers is not getting 25 rushes in this game. It's not happening. But you need to keep him relevant as if it's, a, as if it's potentially allowing – or not, I guess not allowing the defense to take that part out and not care. That's where it needs to be. So the run game is going to be potent, or pertinent, I guess I should say potent. That's funny. Uh, per, the run game's pertinent for them to have more success or a better chance of success on the offensive side of the ball in this game. Now, there's a lot of buzz out there about Odell Beckham Jr. And every single live TV show, podcast, anything I listen to, Uh, via the internet, via Spotify, via iHeartRadio, what have you. Anything that I listen to, a lot of people are talking about Odell. They're talking about this situation where was there something that could have been different in Cleveland? Is he a number one wide receiver on every team? Is he a number one wide receiver on any team? And what you guys need to realize, and and I I could be pushing toes. I, I could be pushing buttons of people out there. But I think the media coverage of Odell Beckham Jr. and what has happened in his career, on the field, off the field, what have you, is a, a bit oversh- overshot. I think I think the Odell issue with with him kicking the kicking the kicking net or punching the kicking net or what what have you, and the fact that he wasn't able to do much in Cleveland, I th- I think those are small spots that don't define Odell Beckham Jr. And you can you can get you can also look at his performances in the past few games and understand that he still has the skill set to be a number one wide receiver. He absolutely does. And he's embraced the fact that Cooper Cup is a better receiver and Matt Stafford will probably target him more. But Odell needs to know his location and he needs to accept it. And he did. And he's having success there. Think about how bad right now Deshaun Jackson feels for wanting out of St. Louis. St. Louis, that's funny. Man, I'm on a roll today. Uh, for for wanting out of the of L.A., Deshaun Jackson said, "Nope, I want to leave." He goes to the, to Las Vegas and has little to no impact, except for a bunch of dumb plays where he turned the ball over or dropped passes. And now Odell Beckham Jr. goes there, embraces the spot, wants to be and needs to be in the spot that he's in, embraces it and makes the best of it. And look at them now. So I think Odell is still able to be a number one wide receiver on football teams. Is he better than Devontae Adams? No. Would he be the number one wide receiver on the Vikings? Probably not. 
Justin Jefferson, a great wide receiver. Adam Thielen's there as well. So there's places. It depends on where he's at. Wherever he's at determines whether he's a number one wide receiver. But there's not many teams he wouldn't be a two on. So keep that in mind. Uh, and we'll talk about Odell when we get to my game picks. But so there, that's the that's the situation. And the last thing I'm going to bring up quick about the Rams that may have a huge impact on their football team, regardless of whether they win or lose Super Bowl 56, how do they deal with the loss of leadership? Because leadership will leave. A Super Bowl winning team, you will lose coordinators. You will lose special teams uh, coaches. You will lose offensive line coaches, defensive line coaches. Kevin O'Connell apparently wants to leave. Raheem Morris was a was a is their current defensive coordinator. He went on met multiple interviews, got second interviews. Is he going to get another job somewhere else that's going to pay him more money? How do they deal with that moving forward, regardless of the of the outcome of the game? So say they lose the game, they lose coordinators. How do they handle getting the coaches in but still keeping that mantra of I want to win now, I'm in win now mode? It's going to be a hard transition. And the Bills are going through a similar situation right now, losing Brian Dayball, who was their offensive coordinator and was considered highly for one of the biggest reasons they were able to get to where they're at or got to where they were able to go this entire season. And he's responsible for for kind of molding Josh Allen as well. So losing that, those two teams are going to go through some turnover on the, on their coaching staffs. But how do they respond to that? How do they come back and say, all right, we, we got to go get a guy who's going to do this to make sure we get back to this spot. But they also need to focus on improving the team because the team did not make it to the Super Bowl, which would be the year previous. So we'll take a look at the Rams, but that's something else I'm seeing while looking at these situations for, for the L.A. Rams as to what how they're going to respond, what players are going to stay, and then the third obvious one is the the actual outcome of this football game in Super Bowl 56. So a lot to take away from the Rams here. A lot to take away from the Rams. I like them in this situation. I won't give you my picks till we get to my picks, but I like them. Let's switch to the to the Bengals. So once again, big QB matchup. A lot of lot of stuff going on with the QBs this week, especially on the Ethernet. All right, on the in the within the ether anywhere in sports media, you hashtag Super Bowl Fifty Six. There is a lot of shit going on right now. There's a lot of stuff going on. Joe Burrow's story, uh, and we mentioned him, and I talked about him for Comeback Player of the Year, but we can go into that more. He had a torn ACL last season, missed a, a, little, a lot of games. Like, he played a decent amount, but he also he played a little more than half the season, but missed a little less than half the season. So for him to be able to rehab that, come back, and be the leader on this football team, Joe Burrow's story is huge, if not bigger than Matt Stafford's. Matt Stafford... His wife having cancer, get battling through that, what he went through in Detroit, the fact that he was part of this trade. Will this trade work out? The, the, there's a lot of headlines that you can get and a lot of drama coming from both of these quarterbacks. And, 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 and they've been through a lot, and they're both really good leaders, clearly based on the position they're currently in and what they've done in their football pasts. So I love Joe Burrow. I love his story. The fact that he was able to make this team buy in knowing that they were not projected to be top 10 in offense or defense before this season started. But Joe Burrow has been there to be that solidarity to bring everybody back. And I love his press conferences. A cool cat. He's got the answers. Smoking cigars in the locker room. Wearing sunglasses that he says he can now afford because he's a decent player. It's awesome. 
His pre- his media presence is exactly what you need from a leader. He's not concerned about what he's going to say. He knows he can handle the pressure. He's doing it. He's doing it, and you're watching it on the football field and off the football field. So the one thing I'm really worried about is their offensive line to protect him. Now, he's won games where he's been sacked nine times. Does that happen often in the NFL? Absolutely not. Can their offensive line stop Leonard Floyd, Von Miller, and Aaron Donald? No, they cannot at a decent clip. So their offensive line coach and their offensive coordinator need to figure out how to get the ball out of Joe Burrow's hands and get it to their playmakers. And where can you affect the defense of the LA Rams is in their secondary where their depth isn't good and their players, some of their players are inconsistent. Now, this has nothing to do with Jalen Ramsey, but I've seen some of their backup cornerbacks and how they perform and they're a bit spotty. Uh, a bit spotty to say the least. And if anybody knows about spotty cornerbacks that have decent games and crap games, you're talking to a Minnesota Vikings fan uh, who can't figure out why the Vikings cannot figure out what a cor- an actual cornerback is and draft that. Their last four cornerbacks that they've drafted have been either busts or have underperformed. Trey Waynes. You got you got the guy who just Mike Hughes who just ended up going to the Chiefs and blowing it for the Chiefs in multiple situations. You, you you've got a lot of guys that have been drafted by the Vikings that can't perform. That's the only way that you can attack the defense of the Rams is through their secondary. So I think they're going to try and pass and they're going to try and pass often. Now their three-headed monster at the wide receiver position is extremely underrated. Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, and Jamar Chase are wonderful talents, and you can't double them all. They both have had a game throughout the season where they have had a, at least a, one, a 100 yards receiving and at least seven catches. So they know that all three, you know, based on those statistics, that all three of them can be the guy in a football game. Can they step up in a Super Bowl? We'll see. But they have the ability to be the guy. So if the guy can catch the ball one-on-one against a subpar secondary member of the opposing team, you may be able to have success. Can you scheme that? Absolutely, if you're the Bengals. You you have the line shift blocked to a a side. You You tell Joe Burrow, you have three seconds. Get him when he's open. Boom, it's done. You see the Chiefs do it all the time. I don't know why the Vikings can't figure it out, but you see the Chiefs do it all the time. You see Green Bay do it sometimes as well. There's a lot of high-powered offenses that have that sort of play call. And and I'm not saying I know anything about specific play calls between these teams and whether they're the same. Uh, But but the rollout game, the play action, this guy is the guy I'm targeting. you got to win a one-on-one matchup. These high-caliber offenses are using that play, and that's a play that the Bengals could have success with. Now, on the flip side of the Bengals, their defense – People aren't giving their defense enough credit, and I'm actually one of those people. So I go in, I dig into their depth chart, and and the the four guys that stand out to me as just football guys that make big plays. Jesse Bates at 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 safety. Uh, he's a good young player. He was great in college. He transitioned well. He he's able to tackle, which a lot of safeties don't have the ability to do in this league much of much of anymore at all. To be quite honest with you. So, I honestly, those, and and Jesse Bates, along with Trey Hendrickson, 
a good pass rusher that they got from the Saints in the offseason. Uh, to go with Von Bell, who's been a veteran uh, secondary member of multiple winning teams. He's a he's a great offense or great defensive mind that knows offenses as well, based on what he's done in his career. And DJ Reader, a big defensive tackle that hasn't been getting very much of any credit uh, for them even being somewhat good in the run game. So those four guys, and and those aren't the guys that I'm going to focus on. The fact that I look when looking at their depth chart, looked at the the amount of cornerbacks. Uh, that were high ceiling guys when they were potential draft picks on draft boards. These guys are are players. Don't get me wrong; that have not performed to their high ceiling that they were projected to get coming out of college. Uh, but guys like Eli Apple uh, was basically bad in two different locations. His his social media presence against his former teams is crazy. Uh, but Trey Waynes, who played for the Vikings, uh, first first round pick, I believe, or first or second round pick. Didn't really live up to what he was expected to be. A speedster corner. Uh, they they thought that he was going to be good. He had a few games within a few years, uh, which is basically the definition of underperformance. You've got Trey Flowers, who's played on multiple teams. Uh, dreadlocks. The dreadlocks this guy had uh, when he first came into the league were epic, and he was all over every football field at the cornerback position. Kind of reminded me of a similar type player of like a, an Asante Samuel, maybe a Marcus Peters, like a route jumper uh, that that basically struggled a little bit to tackle when he got to the NFL. But Trey, you got Trey Flowers, you got Vernon Hargreaves, who was this big, big. Uh, potential high pick from I think he went to Florida State if I'm not mistaken uh, but was drafted by the Bucks and he underperformed when he came in as well to go along with Ricardo Allen who was a projected good player as well I believe that he transitioned from corner to safety but I know in college I'm pretty sure that he in college focused on cornerback but he was he's a big hitting safety who started to get penalties. He played for the Falcons for a while. But with these guys, and not all of these guys start. Some of these guys are second string cornerbacks, quarterback three, quarterback four. Some of them play even nickel now. So there's a lot. There's a lot with the Bengals that needs to go right for them to win this football game. Uh, but you can't sit back and say, well, their defense isn't good enough for them to win because they've been playing well. And you can't say that Joe Burrow's not experienced enough to have them in this football game because he's played well and he's proved it. So uh, this this game is not going to be a a crappy, in quotation marks, game uh, by any stretch of the imagination. However, uh, there's a lot of people out there that are just saying that this game's not going to be good. It's going to be a good game. I'm interested to see which team plays better. But uh, let, let's transition right into the pick. So... You guys have heard my spiel about each team. Uh, I tried to make it less obvious that you could notice who I was going for. Um, but I, I'm pressured to pick, and I'm going to give you guys multiple picks. Let's see. I've got two, four, six, eight. I got nine, nine picks for the Super Bowl, and and I'm just going to go run through them real quick. So uh, in terms of against the spread, I love the Rams here. Uh, the Rams minus four. If you're scared of taking the spread, at which case everybody asks you who you got in the Super Bowl. Um, and if you're an avid sports fan uh, surrounded by people that are not avid sports fans, maybe nobody asks you. But typically when you talk to people about sports, they'll ask you. So everybody at work has been asking me. People, my friends, my, my family, everyone's asking me. So I'm going with the Rams minus four. And if you can get the Rams at minus four and not minus four and a half, like obviously in a Super Bowl, you're hesitant to take a higher spread. And I get that. 
Don't get me wrong. Uh, but I like the story of Matt Stafford. I like the current situation of the Rams team as a whole versus the Cincinnati team. Um, so I got to go with the numbers. I, I'm a finance guy. I'm a math guy. Uh, by no means am I a grammar guy. So uh, the probability of the Rams uh, winning, uh, I think, is a bit higher than, than the Cincinnati Bengals winning. I think there's mo- more ways the Rams can win this football game uh, versus the amount of ways Cincinnati can. So if you're scared of the minus four, just go with the money line. Uh, if you're on DraftKings or wherever you're betting, uh, unless you're one of my buddies from uh, one of my local vape shops who still uses like old school methods to bet sports, which is kind of crazy if you think about it. But uh, listen, I love the Rams minus four. I'll, I'll hammer that all day. Uh, and going into the next one, I love the under. I don't think that these two teams, I think the Bengals defense is underrated and the Rams defense is clearly uh, one of the behemoths in the NFL in terms of getting to the to the quarterback. Uh, so I don't think this game's a high-scoring game. 48-and-a-half is a lot to give up in this game. And, and honestly, I, th- I think that the Rams win by a lot, and I don't think the Bengals score much. Uh, and if, if I were to take – if I were asked how this game would go, that's what I would put my money on. And that's nothing against Joe Burrow. That's nothing against the Bengals. I just think that the Rams have it on defense to kind of handle and tame that lion or bangle, I guess you could say. So I love the under. 48 and a half is way too much. It's definitely going to be under that. Uh, maybe this game, if it's close, gets to 20 to 17. Maybe it gets to 23, 20, but I don't think it gets above 48, which is why I love the under of 48. All right, to, to hop into some cool picks uh, and some player props or what what have you. Uh, number three on my list, uh, the, the position of the MVP uh, will be at the wide receiver position. Uh, and I, it, it, if my pick goes wrong, I still have the odds going in my favor. And I think there's pretty good odds on this being like plus 205, uh, which means it's a little over two to one odds. Uh, but the position of the wide rece- of the of the MVP will be wide receiver. Jamar Chase, Odell Beckham Jr., or Cooper Cup will win the MVP of the Super Bowl, uh, which is why I love this bet. Whether o- whether Cooper Cup gets doubled, uh, or he, they just kind of try and take him out of the game, or uh, they focus uh, one guy on each. I think that one of them has a very good potential to break this game open, uh, whether that be Cooper Cup or Odell Beckham Jr. And, and on the flip side, you got the three-headed monster I just talked about from Cincinnati. Uh, so there's a lot of good talent at the wide receiver position, which is why I love this bet, uh, at the MVP uh, position being wide receiver. Next, Stafford's passing yards. I'm thinking over 279 and a half. He's played well in the in the playoffs so far this so far this entire uh, string of wins that they've gotten in the playoffs. I think the Bengals defense can be had. I think that's some of their I think that's some of their secondary players, even though I just went over some of these guys that have high ceilings. They also have high floors. And I think it's a possibility for someone to find gaps uh, all over some of these either older or maybe a little bit lackluster cornerbacks on the Bengals. Uh, so I think Matt Stafford kind of exploits that. I think he has over 300, which is why I love this number at over 279 and a half. Next bet is going to be Joe Mixon rushing yards under 62 and a half. Uh, this one's not a surprise or shouldn't be to all of you guys out there. Uh, so uh, Joe Mixon going up against Leonard Floyd, going up against Aaron Donald, going up against some of the bigger guys in that front seven does not scream success to me. Uh, I think they're going to have to do wide receiver screens and and maybe running back screens as well to kind of take some of that pressure off 
what will be a very hard sledding way of trying to get a massive amount of rush yards in this game. Uh, but Joe Mixon hasn't looked amazing in these playoff games. He didn't look amazing at the end of the season. Uh, a lot of success uh, through the beginning and the middle of the season. Uh, but the end of the season going into the playoffs doesn't look like his stats are, are anywhere near somewhere where he looks like he's going to have a breakout game. Uh, so I love Joe Mixon rushing yards under 62 and a half. Next, uh, Cam Akers. Uh, reception yards over 15 and a half. I think what I just mentioned uh, that the Bengals need to do to get the pass rush off. I think the pass rush is going to get to Stafford as well uh, or on more than one occasion. So, and they have, listen, they have, they have guys, they have football guys out there, smart guys. And sometimes you can beat smart guys, but only if you make the right play call at the right time. I think Cam Akers is more, more athletic enough than the average running back to catch screens and break tackles. Uh, and the tackling in the playoffs has, has not been very good, uh, which is why I don't like a lot of unders in terms of, of stats, especially for uh, people that could break open into the into the open field uh, and, and running backs. I don't like a lot of unders. Uh, so no surprise here. I think he catches at least two passes, and I think both of them are more than eight yards, which is why I love Cam Akers receiving yards over 15 and a half. Next on the list, T. Higgins receptions over five and a half. I think T. Higgins is going to be the guy. He had to be the guy uh, last week uh, when Jamar Chase was taken out of the game. He made multiple big clutch catches, big catch radius. He was a great college player. Uh, So I think that he catches six or seven in this game uh, and possibly more depending on how much attention Jamar Chase gets from Jalen Ramsey or from anyone, to be honest with you. So I I like where... T. Higgins gets a lot of targets, and I think he catches a lot of them as well. Whether he kind of takes that takes on that uh, shorter catch but more target type game, or if it's you get seven targets but you catch them all, I think it's like Pokemon, you got to catch them all. So I, I think T. Higgins has the ability to do that, which is why I love his over uh, of receptions at five and a half. Next on the list, Odell Beckham Jr. receptions over five and a half as well. I think that there's not a chance that you single up Cooper Cup on most plays that he's on the field. So I think Odell's going to slide into the slot. He's going to run a lot of over routes, possibly be a target in the red zone. So I love that Odell Beckham Jr. catches, if not the same projection as T. Higgins, six or seven, possibly more. Uh, but I love that uh, it, for him to be to really be to be able to affect this football game uh, in a way that people probably don't think he can. Uh, but I am a definitely believer in. So I'm rooting hardcore uh, for Odell Beckham Jr. in the Super Bowl, uh, especially since I'm throwing this prop at you guys of over five and a half receptions. Last player prop I'm going to go over, and it's actually a defensive prop. Uh, but I saw this and I had to take it because it oh, the chances are very low uh, that this doesn't happen. Uh, But I'm taking the Rams over in total sacks in this game of three and a half. Aaron Donald's going to get home. Von Miller's going to get home. Leonard Floyd's going to get home. And then someone random. So I think they all have a sack. And I think that someone random has a sack. If that sack is the first one, there's a really good prop out there uh, of the the first sack. Uh, the first player to record a sack being any other player than the players listed on DraftKings. And I think it's like plus 2,000, which is 20 to 1 odds. I don't hate that, to be quite honest with you, uh, because there's going to be a lot of focus on the big names. And the small names are probably going to have an easier time 
stepping up to the plate and getting to Joe Burrow. So I love the the over the total sacks of three and a half for the Rams. I also like that player prop uh, of anybody but who's listed on there getting a sack uh, because there's not the linebackers I don't believe are on that list uh, or just take somebody who's not those three players in Floyd, Donald, or or Von Miller. So it's any other player but them I like for the first sack of the game, especially on the Rams side of the ball. All right, guys, it's Super Bowl 56. It's going to be a low-key year for at least this guy, uh, in quotes, pointing at myself. Uh, going to be kind of a chill day. Got to work the next day. So uh, the Super Bowl with the halftime show typically goes in late. I remember last year watching the Super Bowl with my buddy Greg, the Chiefs fan. Uh, shout out to Greg. Uh, but I don't know. Pardon me. I'm, I'm absolutely parched. Uh, but it's going to be a good game. Going to be low-key, like I said, for me. Probably just hang out. My dad might stop by. But uh, interested to see what you guys are doing for the Super Bowl. So uh, follow me on Twitter. Tweet at me what you guys are doing. Uh, any in, any interesting plates of food you guys are going to be making. Uh, probably going to have a dip, maybe some wings and pizza, but I'm going to be pretty lame. Uh, but if you guys got anything cool, uh, feel free to tweet at me at Pod. Let me know what you guys are doing. I will be back. Just a little bit of foreshadowing for next week. Uh, we're definitely going to do a recap show of the Super Bowl. Some stuff we saw. Uh, maybe some interesting things going on. The halftime show, which everybody loves talking about. Uh, so we'll definitely do a Super Bowl recap show. We are currently working, and by we, me and Tyler Martinez, my MLB guru, uh, currently working on an MLB podcast. A lot of stuff going on in baseball right now, uh, and possibly uh, one of my buddies from work might be having a surprise appearance on this MLB show. Both of them MLB fans, so uh, interested to see what they have to say about what's going on in baseball. So that will happen next week as well. Uh, so those are the two podcasts probably going to be uh, probably going to be released next week. Uh, probably do a Monday show, uh, Monday or Tuesday show, then maybe a Wednesday or Thursday uh, MLB show, uh, just to give kind of like a, a gap of what I'm kind of looking at. Uh, but remember, share the podcast everywhere that you listen to podcasts. Add me on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter. I appreciate you guys. Any Bengals or Rams fans out there, good luck to both your teams. It's definitely going to be a better game than a lot of people are talking about. So really excited for any Super Bowl, but definitely this one. So from the Vikings fan from Eastern Pennsylvania, I will talk to you guys after the Super Bowl. Hope all of my picks hit. If they don't, feel free to give me shit on social media. Uh, But I'll talk to you guys next week. And like I always say, Later. Later.